Welcome to Shoot First, Ask Questions Later, where we research the response of our past and review their relevance for today. This is your host, Moshe Kurtz. Welcome to another episode of Shoot First, Ask Questions Later. I am joined by my uh, esteemed friend and colleague. I mean, all of our guests are esteemed. Uh, it's like the same way you say Shlita for everyone. You should all live long, happy, good lives, God willing. Uh, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Yisrael ben Porat, And today we're going to be discussing a very timely topic, which is the question about Jews observing, and we could talk about if observing might be the right language, observing the holiday of Thanksgiving and all the different trappings that are involved in that. In particular, we'll be focusing on a series of Chuvos by Rav Moshe Feinstein, which are very critical to understanding this and to understanding American Jewry. But also, I think it's worth it for us to uh, get to know Yisrael because Yisrael's area of expertise about the Puritans actually has a lot to do with understanding the broader history of Thanksgiving that we'll be discussing. So Yisrael ben Porat is a PhD candidate and dissertation fellow in early American history at CUNY Graduate Center, as well as the Programming and Communications Officer at Yeshiva University Strauss Center for Torah and Western Thought. Previously, he taught history at the City College of New York and Queens College. He served as the managing editor of the Lair House. Ben Parag graduated, I hope I pronounce all this Latin right, summa cum laude, is that, is that correct? Thank you. Cum laude. Cum laude, you see, you, see, you see that I didn't earn that title. Uh, with a BA in history from Yeshiva University in 2018. At the Graduate Center, he received his en route MA in history in 2020 and advanced to doctoral candidacy. Uh, in philosophy in 2021. His dissertation, Hebraic Puritans, Old Testament Politics in Early New England, focuses on how Puritans used the Hebrew Bible as a legal and political text in the 17th century Atlantic world. His publications include a book chapter in the edited volume Esther in America, published in 2020, an article in Tradition, four book reviews, and several pieces of public scholarship in the Lairhouse, Tradition Online, and Jewish Journal, and I should probably throw in also that he edited a huge swath of the uh, essays that became chapters in my recent book, Challenging Assumptions, and so I've gotten to see Yisrael's scholarship firsthand. Also, we, we had you, of course, as a scholar residence at our Shul Agud Shalom, and uh, I found that to be a very enlightening experience in which he talked about the Puritans and Thanksgiving, and uh, I hope to learn more, and I think our Listeners will learn a lot from you uh, in just a moment. So can you tell us about um, these chuvas from Rav Moshe we're about to look at? And uh, I think I alluded to it already, but you can tell us more what interested you personally in this topic. Well, thanks so much for having me, Moshe. It's great to be here. And, uh, and just a small correction, my uh, I don't have any background in philosophy. It's just the name of the degree is like Masters of Philosophy in History. I'm, so, show, I'm, show, I'm showing how much of an arts I am when it comes to academia. So, like the PhD is Doctor of Philosophy in History, so it's confusing. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a philosopher. I'm a historian. That's my, that's my disciplinary background. And I'll primarily be approaching this whole issue as a historian, not as a halachist, which is not my 
uh, it's not an area that I practice in professionally, although I have uh, I have written pieces of halakhic scholarship and I've spent many years learning, um, but I'm not approaching this as a rabbi or, or as a posseg, rather as a historian. And so as a historian, I think we should first approach, there are three levels at which we can approach this subject. The first one is simply identifying what the chuvos are saying, which is actually not such an easy task, uh, but simply summarizing what Ramosha said. He actually has four chuvos on the subject. And so tracing what he said across those four times will be the first step. And then secondly, to kind of put those Chuvos in Ravosha's own historical context, given other things he wrote, given what's going on in the 20th century. And then thirdly, to bring to bear my knowledge and analysis of Puritan New England to kind of see, uh, maybe even critique um, Ravosha's historical uh, understanding of Puritan New England and uh, to see what insights that might yield on the on the halacha too. Fascinating. Well, you, you definitely got me really excited. Let's, uh, okay, let's jump into this. I know that our listeners, I mean, maybe some of the very devout ones uh, will are reaching out and getting the Makoro sheets. But uh, again, I always assume most of our listeners are kind enough to find time during their car rides and commutes. So they're not going to see the Chuvos inside with us, perhaps while they're listening. But definitely on, on what I have in front of me, you have in front of me, we're looking at excerpts from uh, four Chuvos from Icarus Moshe. And I'll put the uh, citations in the description. Yeah, so let's start with the first one. Uh, it's written in June of 1963. And um, he was asked if you can have a simcha on a non-Jewish holiday. And he, you know, discusses various um, possibilities. And he concludes by mentioning uh, that New Year's and Thanksgiving, uh, it's not prohibited to schedule a simcha for that time. But he recommends that Bali Nefesh should be machmer. So kind of seemingly more liberal approach here, uh, at least for the guards to scheduling a simcha that doesn't address celebrating Thanksgiving itself, just scheduling a simcha on that day, but a hint of maybe it's, it's better not to. Right. So what's interesting about this first tshuva from Rav Moshe in 1963 is that it's in, it's in, in a chalik of Evan Ezer. So he's just, he's really discussing a question of scheduling weddings and just happens to, as a byproduct, address the question of Thanksgiving. Uh, though just uh, a little bit of background, I think he's referring to the beginning of Maseches of Odazara, in which you're not supposed to be doing business dealings, you're not supposed to be scheduling on like Yom Dehem on the uh, pagan holidays. Is that is that the is that where he's coming from here? That would seem to be the the context behind it. Yeah. Okay, so he's saying it's Thanksgiving sounds like it's not a pagan holiday according to this chuva. And New Year's too, which is an interesting thing he tossed in oh, there. Oh, interesting. Haven't seen much discussion of that in the literature, actually, and that's something that's uh, worth, you know, looking into more. Um, but Thanksgiving, for our purposes here, the mention of Thanksgiving is significant because it suggests that, yeah, he does not consider it to be a Yom Aid, which is the Gemara's term for essentially what we would call a pagan holiday. 
fascinating. Right. New Year's, you would think certainly has more Christian. Uh, what was it? Was that was that the bris? Was that the day it was on? Um, so that 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 already is, I think, a bigger tradition of Thanksgiving. But OK, we'll we'll leave we'll leave that um, on the side. So that was the first tshuva um, in 1963 in Evan Ezer. But it's, it looks like things get a little bit juicier as we uh, proceed throughout the years. Yeah, so if you turn to, to a couple of uh, decades later, 1981 is three more chuvos, one in May, one in June, and one on the 3rd of July, uh, which probably is not a coincidence. Um, so the second chuva in May 1981, um, he was asked about the, the sort of central question that we're grappling with, which is to celebrate Thanksgiving with a, a Thanksgiving Sauda. And... Um, he says he refers to his earlier tshuva, and then he qualifies that by saying that to make a, a simcha or suuda is usr, is prohibited. Seems to be a pretty like flat out uh, statement there. And the reason why he says is uvechu kosehem lo selechu, which is pasuk in Vayikra that cautions the Jews against um, following the practices of non-Jews. And based on that verse, he concludes that it's problematic to have a Thanksgiving uh, However, he does allow you to eat turkey on the day of Thanksgiving, as long as it's not in the context of uh, Thanksgiving um, celebration. Well, would so meaning like if I have some extra turkey in my refrigerator, um, it wouldn't be usser for me to eat it on that day. But if I go out of my way to cook a turkey, l'shem, the suda, so then I'm in violation of a huko lo lechu, of following in the ways of, well, I guess there's a bit of a debate of how we translate the ways of the pagans. But I, I think there's already a bit of a machlokis, um, was it maybe the Roshonim or the Achronim, about the parameters. You know, is it specifically following after pagan practices or is it any practice that is, uh, uniquely non-Jewish, and we would not be doing it otherwise had the non-Jews not started the trend. So where, where do you see Rav Moshe kind of falling on that spectrum? So he's pretty clear also in this tshuva that this isn't something that should be regarded as idolatrous. He actually goes ahead and critiques um, apparently people out there who were saying, like, it's Yeharig <laughs> Valyavor to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's better to die than to, you know, to celebrate Thanksgiving, which he found to be, uh, you know, I guess, overly uh, hyperbolic or polemical and just halakhically wrong. It's it's not it's not a Vodazara. And so, you know, there is a machlokas about whether is limited to a Vodazara or uh, is broadly referring to sort of any quote unquote foolish or irrational uh, non-Jewish custom, which we'll dive into a little more soon. Um, so I think Rav Moshe here is, well, he's going to he's gonna delve into that a little more. So maybe we should hold off on that. But what's interesting is that he does express some doubt at the end. And he says that um, he's, it's not entirely clear if this is really Usr. That line where he says, So yeah. th this is like interesting. It's almost um, 
my sense, you can tell me if you're reading it the same way, is that there's this rabbinic intuition. I think electricity is one of the quintessential examples where there's this rabbinic intuition, maybe you'll call it Das Torah, that they sense that something shouldn't be mutter. And, but we have to just figure out, um, almost like an ismachta, we have to figure out where to hang our hat on, on which classification to put it in. Is, is that the sense you're getting from the Surf Moshe? I think... I think rabbinic intuition is definitely a factor here because right in the previous tshuva, he also kind of hinted that, okay, something might technically be mutter here. It's sort of the opposite, right? In the previous tshuva, he's like, well, technically it's mutter, but you should be machmer. And here he's kind right. of saying, well, he not says... really so sure if it's usher. Meaning maybe this is more, this is where halacha and hashkafa get blurry because mm. technically yeah. Thanksgiving, let's say, is the halacha might say X or Y, but then there's that feeling of like, well, is this what like a good, you know, Jewish person is supposed to do? Like, is this a proper kind of from thing to do um, as, you know, as in Torah Judaism, kind of the, from a cultural. Right. Certain things are what we might say. It's like pasnish, you know, it's like it's not it's not the right thing to do. So you're right. At the end of that first chuva we were looking at, he ends all by saying, Avobali nefesh that those who are more God fearing people who are more conscientious. They should refrain. Now, what's interesting, and uh, maybe you have more insight than me, to someone like myself who's an Ama Aretz, and is, you know, I don't really, I'm not an expert in Rav Moshe Feinstein, um, to the unintelligent onlooker such as myself, when I see Rav Moshe throw in, but conscientious people should be careful not to do it, um, you know, I'm, I always wonder if there's a particular methodology in when he decides to say that. Because to the, again, the uh, uninformed observer like myself, sometimes it could feel like Rav Moshe is doling out to, almost to cover his bases and says, and by the way, and I'm sure you know some of the Chal Stam discussion and elsewhere and many other places, Rav Moshe always concludes, many times concludes by saying, but if you're conscientious, you should be careful not to do it. I think also, I think he has a tshuva also on showering on minor fast days as well. I think there's a similar kind of thrust there. He's definitely not, he's far from the only Posek who does that definitely far from it right. but um i do get this feeling sometimes and i i wonder if it's almost like a covering of the bases i'm just putting that out there as speculation and i don't know if you have um, any insight into that i don't but that's definitely something that is worth looking into further and it's a broader question in sort of halachic literature is how to account for the relationship between lichachila and bediavad and you know when you say something is technically mutter, but maybe it's better not to do, or usser, you know, technically usser, but maybe we're not so convinced of the isser, you know, then that raises larger questions about, um, you know, what it means to be a halachic Jew and how we should properly live our lives. Right, absolutely. So that's that's always going to be a uh, a much broader tension. I, of course, we have a we have a little bit more of a circumscribed discussion over here about Thanksgiving, but raise that for the uh, listeners. If the listeners, anyone who's listening, has any insights on this uh, methodological point, feel free to certainly reach out and email me, and I uh, would love to share your insights in a future episode, God willing. Okay, so we looked at two tshuvas, right? We looked at one in Evan Ezer, we looked at one in Orchaim Chelek Hey. And now, I mean, the next two are also in 1981. We're looking at two chuvos in Yordea. Yeah, so this one is from June 1981. This is the third chuva. And this is where he actually seems to qualify or backtrack his previous chuva. And in this one, 
he's asked about, again, about the issue of joining in a Thanksgiving celebration. And he says, well, since Thanksgiving isn't really a religious uh, holiday, and it's merely a, what he calls a kind of memorial day, a Yom Zecher, La'anshei Hamadina. So if you also are, you know, happy in the Medina that you came to uh, live here uh, now or, or earlier, so it's it's not prohibited to uh, have a Thanksgiving su'uda or eat turkey, as long as you don't make it a fixed annual celebration, because then that's like baltosef, referring to a different pasuk in the Torah that prohibits adding on mitzvos, adding on by extension holidays to the Torah would be a biblical, he implies would be a biblical um, prohibition. And so you can't celebrate an annual Thanksgiving, but if you, let's say, do it once in a while or not always on the same day or in a way that indicates that it's uh, merely an optional thing and not an obligated thing, then he seems to be okay with it. Okay, interesting. And and I think he might talk about this issue about Tosif of adding on mitzvos or adding on two mitzvos in the, um, the following shuva. But I guess, you know, I work at a modern Orthodox shul. I grew, I grew up in a yeshivish community. So the holiday that jumps to my mind is Yom Ma'ud, is really Independence Day, uh, in which one of the arguments, perhaps some, one of the many arguments that have been advanced against this institution is, you know, who are we to make up our own holiday with Hallel and everything? Uh, so I, I wonder almost, uh, again, worthy of its own separate episode, um, if the same argument Ramosha is advancing against Thanksgiving, I mean, I know Ramosha, I mean, as far as I know, he was not a proponent of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, uh, certainly not from a religious standpoint. Um, and, you know, we've, uh, you edited my essay on flags in Shul, and we got a sense of how Ramosha related to the Israeli flag and to Zionism, and uh, he didn't seem to be the biggest fan. There were people who were less of a fan than he was, but he was not certainly not the biggest fan to use Alasho Naki. So certainly Baltosev has broader implications for um, what some in the religious Zionist community would cons be considered to be an actual religious holiday. Yeah, that's definitely worth keeping in mind. And we can delve into that further when we get to the last chuva, where kind of those issues are, are raised more explicitly and in depth. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's worth noting also that this chuva ends with a note of uncertainty as well, where he says, even though yesh ladun, in halav, it's still usr. Even though there's what to contend with about this isr, in other words, perhaps this isr is actually not so clear cut here, still he insists that it's problematic to have a fixed annual Thanksgiving. Right. So he says, I, I know it's usr. I just need to figure out why it's usr. Um, so, okay. So if we're keeping score, it sounds like we have two potential issues. Following um, pagan or non-Jewish ways. And then the second is Baltosif of instituting a new holiday um, that is not mandated by the Torah by Chazal. Okay, great. And then the final shuva, July 3rd, 1981. I know that because I put the dates in hebcal.com. So maybe, um, and by the way, what's interesting about this shuva is it was addressed to him by his grandson. Uh, I didn't include that in the excerpt, but it's he refer he addresses 
the Chuba to his grandson Mordechai. Oh, um, okay, that's uh, uh Tandler. Tandler. yeah, and Riff Tandler was your was your rabbi, right? So uh, yes, yes. So that's uh, to know as if... many chuvos that he wrote to Riff Tandler, particularly of the medical ethical nature. So uh, wonderful. Oh, if you and Riff Tandler ever talked about Thanksgiving, if you did, I'd be. I, I did actually. I had Riff Tandler. Um, I think it was like his last sort of public lecture beyond his community, but I brought him in during the COVID days as a Zoom scholar in residence sort of speech to our shul. And it was around Thanksgiving time. It was this time of year. And I actually asked him about Thanksgiving. And I, I said, Ramosh has a number of chuos on it. What do we make of it? I mean, he basically concluded by saying that, uh, you know, if you're eating the turkey, uh, Lashane making it into a holiday, pretty much what we saw in Ramosha, then that would be uh, in violation. So I think some people might eat turkey on Shabbos, so that way it's some workaround. Uh, it's interesting the the, the the extent people go to find a tayrim to fulfill something. Um, I do wonder um, about Rosalovechik. I'm not as familiar with Rabbi Yossi position, but I, I do know that Rosalovechik was always a, at least theologically, was opposed to instituting new things. He considered instituting new things uh, to the religion that weren't mandated by Torah Chazal to be akin to paganism. Do we have any sense of where Rosalovechik may have fallen out on this? So uh, I haven't deeply researched how other posts can besides Ramosha have approached this issue, but from my reading the literature, um, my understanding is that uh, Rav Salvechik, as, as quoted um, by his Talmud, Rav Shachter and Nefesh Harav, seem to have uh, a little bit more of a lenient view when it comes to celebrating Thanksgiving. I don't know if um, if he, you know, actually had a Thanksgiving Seuda. I <laughs> I don't think that's, uh, I, I haven't seen a testimony of that, but um, but it was something that he uh, evidently acknowledged as, uh, you know, as a day, uh, as a day that's worth uh, acknowledging and um, didn't regard it as, you know, as an idolatrous or pagan holiday right. as far as I'm aware. Okay, so he didn't, he didn't you know, like say Rav Moshe's point about like you can't have a fixed annual celebration, uh, to my knowledge, which is what it is. <laughs> but um, but what I do wonder something that Rav Moshe, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't seem to reckon with. But you mentioned Rafael Shachter, who I believe is Machbit, if I am correct. Um, the question of the kashas of turkey in general. <laughs> We're assuming the whole issue here is the Thanksgiving and the turkey is um, as a result because turkey is a way of commemorating Thanksgiving. But what about just eating turkey outside the context? That should seemingly be an ancillary issue. I, I find it uh, amazing that that wasn't raised in the chuvos, at least um, yeah, as far as I noticed, unless he did. It's no, I didn't see that addressed in the in the chuvos. It's interesting. Um, he he calls it the Tarnagal Hodu, and the parentheses Indic. So I guess like I guess that must be a a, a Yiddishism or something. But the Tarnagal Hodu, right? It call it's called Hodu because mm. of India, and um, Columbus thought that the New World was the Indies, and so the Hebrew word for India actually became the word for Turkey. Is fascinating, but yeah, obviously, that's beyond the scope of uh, maybe worthy of another episode. Uh, not my field of expertise, but um, 
the I think the question is moot because normative practice in mm -hmm. orthodoxy is that the turkey is kosher. And if you don't think it's kosher, good luck trying to find a kosher home. I mean, <laughs> you know, because so many people, you know, will eat, eat turkey and cook with that and all the oh, major. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not advocating to oh. change practice. I'm just saying it's interesting that that's not even reckoned with as a havamina. Maybe that could be an issue. Right. But OK, so we have this final chuva, uh, which is the following chuva, I believe. Right. It comes right afterwards in the safer. Yeah. And uh, so, OK, so tell us about it. It looks like and it has some juicy content in there. This is supposed to be the chuva that settles the matter once and for all. Right. Because he had these three previous chuvas, two of which appear to be somewhat in conflict with each other. And so I guess his grandson, we don't have the question preserved in the Icarus Moshe, but I guess his grandson wanted to know, like, so what's the conclusion of the matter? How do you, and how do you reconcile your previous chuva? So this is kind of really the most important chuva because he brings together all the different issues. And, and so um, he first actually addresses, uh, I guess, what was in the, the question that we don't have, which was how what he said about Chosehem fits with um, what seems to be the normative halacha about chukas akam, about not following non-Jewish um, customs. So the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch, uh, which, I, which I link to in the source sheet, he, based on Rishonim, um, says that basically Ham is only an issue if it's either an idolatrous uh, custom or has roots in idolatry, or it's something that is, and I'll just use the exact language that he did, but in English, I would say, I would describe it as foolish or irrational. And I believe the term that he uses is leminhag um, ulechok. Uh, other other formulations, like in the, some of the Rishonim, are like Hevel or Shtus, which I think also kind of circle around the same idea, which is, it seems to say that if, if a practice is irrational, then even though it's not rooted in idolatry, it would still be problematic. And so how... Um, so if something, if something has rationality or basis in reason, then why would it, then it seemingly wouldn't be prohibited. And implicitly, maybe you could argue that Thanksgiving is rational enough to avoid hukas, the issue of hukas akka. Yeah, it, it becomes very interesting once you have to start determining what's called a minak and what isn't, because forget about Thanksgiving. I mean, you look at discussions about, you know, kidneyos or schlisselchal and all these, everyone's favorite topics to raise every year. Uh, there have been arguments advanced about minhag shtus. So that's, it, it, this also comes back to that question of rabbinic intuition. And it also comes to the question of how the post-skim, what data they are using to inform their decisions which uh, I think is probably very relevant for what you want to tell us about the appearance and Thanksgiving and for if Moshe um, was provided with the correct data to understand what fundamentally Thanksgiving is. And I would add, by the way, it's not just a question of if Moshe um, appreciates and understands the meaning of Thanksgiving. This is a question for a lot of um, American-based holidays. You see all the time, such as um, on bump Christian bumper stickers saying, keep the Christ in Christmas. Uh, so, you know, they're like, you see that there's a battle between the original uh, devout religionists 
and those who turned all these holidays into American consumerism. And almost, I wonder, from a Jewish standpoint, maybe it's better when it's turned into American consumerism because then it's no longer tied to the religion, which would probably be more problematic. So uh, I'm curious to see, like, you know, how does Rav Moshe conclude with his understanding of what Thanksgiving is, and does it jive well with how you, as an academic and historian, understand the Puritans' Thanksgiving and that whole gestalt? So this is, yeah, this is where it gets the most fun for, for me as an early Americanist, because Rav Moshe proceeds to dismantle the argument that Thanksgiving is rational based on his understanding of the history of Thanksgiving. And so it's a reminder of how halacha is often predicated on a, an assumption, assumptions about the reality, uh, the mitzias, as, as we would call it. And so based on his understanding of Thanksgiving, he actually, he goes back and forth a little bit, but it seems like he doesn't consider it to be rational, uh, or at least not rational enough. Hmm. Um, and because he says that Thanksgiving, you know, why, why, why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Because according to legend, there was, you know, a time when the pilgrims came to Plymouth and, you know, they had a, a successful, uh, you know, harvest and they were very grateful for it. And that was the first Thanksgiving. So he says, Shkoyach, what did that have to do with the founding of America? <laughs> America. This moment was insignificant in American history. There were already people there in America, and they had what to eat. And okay, one time it was a little bit harder to eat, but um, and so they they ate turkey. But let's say you know, let's say they all died of hunger. What would have happened? The more settlers would have come later. Right? <laughs> I love how pragmatic that is. <laughs> Interesting grammatical way of saying it. America, like from they, they didn't know they already the world already knew from America, meaning of America. And so uh So which is true actually, because in 1630, right, uh other Puritans came and and um established a colony. And so if Plymouth Colony would have died out, maybe, maybe the, uh, you know, America still would have been founded. So that's his uh, sort of interesting counterfactual, right, hypothetical. And, and therefore, why should, why does it make sense to celebrate this 400 years later when it really had no historical uh, significance? But on the other hand, he says, well, you know, it's not really a religious holiday. It's not mentioned in the religious, uh, you know, books, and it wasn't established by priests. So you could say that, um, you know, it's not really an issue of Hukas Akum. And if you, you know, if you're celebrating it as like simply because to, to follow like cultural cultural norms and not as a religious thing, then it's not an issue of Baltosif either. Maybe. Hmm. Okay. But, but. And he and he says, you know, that in the different chuvos, he was kind of like because he wasn't sure in the second chuva about the, um, you know, he was he was misupak a little bit. He wasn't he was unsure, so he was addressing kind of both angles. He said in one chuva I addressed the ukosechem angle, and in one chuva I addressed the um, the baltosef angle. At the end of the day, he says ra'oi lehachmir kechuva hakodemus. Better to to be machmir, meaning ah, back to that, right? 
meaning it's prohibited to celebrate it um, not just as a fixed thing, but but better to be machmer and, and not even on an occasional, you know, one-off or optional kind of thing to do it. We, we, we Baruch Hashem, have no shortage of uh, holidays. And, uh, you know, if you on the Jewish calendar, people seem to forget there's also people who do Bahab as well. There's, there's many wonderful things that take place uh, that we already have within our Jewish tradition to take advantage of that aren't being taken advantage of by many. So I don't know if he says it that way. I can imagine a Baal Musser putting it that way. Well, even, even Purim, he mentions, was... Yeah, the Yerushalmi said was uh, problem seen as problematic by some of the Tanaim. How could we establish a new holiday of Purim? And you know, and then there, so that's something that the Gemara needed to address itself through, through, um, through exegesis, through address. Yeah, we didn't even get to talking about whether to say halal on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should be the same as Yom Atzmut, no Tachlan and Halal. I can imagine almost someone at Shul um, argue to me that we should say Halal. And we should omit Tachnon on Thanksgiving. And my more yeshivish side was actually very sympathetic to it because then by doing that on Thanksgiving, it diminishes the religious emphasis and status of something like Yom Ha'atzma'ud and Yom Yushalayim. Because if we could do it for Thanksgiving, which people at least know is not really a authentic Jewish holiday, you might, you know, you might not ascribe the same legitimacy to those innovations. Um, now, of course, I should say for listeners, I'm very, very grateful we have a state of Israel. I just question the uh, religious propriety of instituting a de jour holiday uh, with uh, religious liturgy for it. Certainly, again, worthy of its own episode. We should do that at sure. some point. So, so just we're getting, we're getting into the final stretch. We are in the final stretch stretch and we have a few minutes left so again do you think it seems like you alluded to Rav Moshe's understanding of what Thanksgiving is doesn't seem to fit the metzias of what Thanksgiving actually was can you just maybe before we conclude just speak a little bit more to that and the nature of Thanksgiving from your understanding as a historian yeah so you know Rav Moshe obviously uh was not a historian of early America I I don't know where he got his information from to be uh, to be honest most uh historians at that time didn't uh necessarily you know investigate the historical roots of thanksgiving uh, that um deeply either um Rav Moshe, it's noteworthy to point out made, has made some other comments about um america and what makes america great and that has you know for example his famous chuva about voting, uh, I guess we could call it a chuva or a letter, right? Where letter, he encouraged yeah. everyone to vote, and in there he, you know, he says, "On reaching the shores of the United States, Jews found a safe haven. The rights guaranteed by the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights have allowed us the freedom to practice our religion without interference and to live in this republic in safety." And then in you know in Adrasha, when he he actually fled from uh, from Russia in the 1930s and. Um, you know, on a Shabbos Zachar uh, drasha about Amalek in, in two years later in 1939, you know, he, he also like praised, um, you know, the Constitution. It was also the 150th anniversary of the ratification of the Constitution. And he praised it, you know, and, and contrasted it with the totalitarianism of the of the USSR. And so, um, so Rav Moshe is uh, is working within an assumption, and the assumption is that Thanksgiving 
is actually based on this original moment that he's referring to. And he is correct, actually, that that moment was insignificant. In fact, the moment was really, uh, it actually is not the origin of the Thanksgiving celebration. It's a myth. Those who connect it to that original Thanksgiving, that's a myth that actually, this was really a passing reference in one text from 1622 that what it describes, if you actually look at it, and I link to it in the source sheet if you're curious, it describes something that is really quite dissimilar and uh, to, to what Thanksgiving, the actual Thanksgiving tradition that emerged in America. So in a sense, he's right, but also in a sense, he's wrong about the history because this is not actually where Thanksgiving came from. So where does Thanksgiving come from, right? And we're, I know we're running out of time. So uh, really, right, the Puritans had days of Thanksgiving and days of fasting all the time. And um, whenever there was a reason to celebrate something that they felt, you know, God was being kind to them, they would celebrate it. And when they were worried that God was punishing them because calamities were happening, they would have fast days. That happened all the time. In parallel to that tradition in the 18th century, and this I'm drawing upon James Baker's History of Thanksgiving, which is the a definitive work on the subject, there uh, developed a kind of parallel tradition at the time of harvest to basically kind of concretize what was generally a more um, kind of haphazard ritual that would happen all the time, it sort of became by convention regularized at one time of year toward the end of the year, reflecting on all the good, uh, you know, the good of the crops and all the other good things that have happened. And that custom, you know, several presidents like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln did proclamations. Uh, and it, after it didn't become really a thing until Abraham Lincoln uh, did his proclamation in 1863, which was then followed um, by custom only until 1941, when it became legislated by Congress. Wow. So it, so it sounds like Thanksgiving actually is religious in origin. So it's fascinating that Rav Moshe, even though he is Mahmir in the end, his Havamina, his willingness to be a little bit makel and lenient, is because Thanksgiving is not really a religious holiday. But it's a religious holiday like many that then became more secularized and nationalized over time. And I'll leave this as an open question for our listeners, which is, do, do we evaluate the holiday based on its original intent or do we evaluate it based on how it's currently practiced by most people, which seems to be how Ramosha finds he's evaluating it based on just the mitzvahs around him. Um, we have, could, yeah, final, final remark. Thing. So yes, it's it, it ultimately does have religious origins in you know in in Puritan religious culture, but but those religious values are not necessarily alien to us as Jews because we also I mean where did they get it from They got it from the Bible They got it from not just the Christian Bible but what what the part that we share with Christians the Hebrew Bible or what they call the Old Testament which does mention Thanksgiving, right? Hodu Hashem Kitov. It does mention, um, uh, we have Berkasa Gomel. And if you look at Moshe Sokolo's article, uh, Thanksgiving, you know, a Jewish holiday after all, he wants to claim that actually there was an earlier Thanksgiving that where, um, you know, William Bradford recited Psalms 107 and, uh, and his, you know, had a, 
uh, Bible that mentioned the Rambam's uh, and whatever. And so that's the true Thanksgiving. And really, Thanksgiving is a Jewish holiday after all. Again, historically, wow. it had nothing to do with the actual Thanksgiving holiday that we celebrate now. But something to keep in mind is that we Thanksgiving is a Jewish value and that we should be grateful for what America uh, has offered us. Thank you, Israel. And to learn more, please make sure to look up Israel's work. This is what his dissertation's on. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, if I'm allowed to, wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Take care. Thank you for listening to Shoot First, Ask Questions Later. Please make sure to subscribe to get the latest updates. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us and leave a review. Do you have a response to the response that you want to share on the show? Please send your letter to the editor to mitchellmkurtz at gmail.com. And God willing, we would love to consider your perspective to be shared on a future episode. This is Moshe Kurtz, and I look forward to reviewing more responses with you next time on Shoot First, Ask Questions Later.